Hello Life Changers, thank you so much for joining us. We have got an amazing sermon for you, so why don't you lean in, grab a notebook, grab a pen, and get ready to hear of the more that God has for us. I want to take a moment because this week we said goodbye to an amazing lady who we love and loved in this community, who served in Life Kids for probably 14 years, the kids of this church, a beautiful lady named Sue Smith, who... um, Just an incredible lady. Maybe you think the gifts that God uses to build His church are preachers and worship leaders, and they are. They're also just beautiful, faithful ladies who've trusted God in high times and low times, who prepared to sow in a back room there somewhere to sometimes five and sometimes 35 crazy eight-year-olds, of whom all of them have been mine. She had all my kids through the years. You know the amazing thing about Sue, and just in all the years, my my oldest son had a a great habit of escaping life kids when he was small. He he was very skilled in it, actually. They could never actually stop him. And um, he used to creep out the windows, go go between legs. He just could get out of there. And um, Sue had all my kids, and, and it just was an incredible lady who never counted the cost or the pain, never moaned. She devoted herself to her king, and because she devoted herself to her king, she could be a blessing to those around her. And and actually, can we just take a moment? Lord, I want to thank you for the life of Sue Smith. And as painful for us and her family and those left behind as her departure is, heaven resounds. Sue is healthy. Cancer has no place in her body. She's free. She's in your presence And we get challenged by her story and her testimony and her as a sign and wonder to us as a community and this community. We give you all the glory for the good gifts you give. We thank you, King. Amen. 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 It's an amazing thing. the, The hall was full. And Sue was a teacher in this community for 15 years at a school in our community. But also there were over 300 people watching live online from all over the world. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you discount your story to impact. I want to tell you, God wants to use your story to impact for his kingdom. I really said I wasn't going to cry today. I asked Bunty to sing that song, Same God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. I'm a Durban boy. I'm from Durbs. I spent 35 years of my life, and I was preaching on Sunday night in a church in Durban, a church that I love, but the city's been hammered. Don't know if you know that, but it's been hammered from looting to flooding to flooding. You can just feel it in the people when you arrive. But I got up to preach on Sunday night, and I hadn't had a chance to look around. And I looked at the hall. I looked over there. And there was a friend of mine who, in 1994, I met him in the very first life group I ever went to. Yes, a redhead. Redheads have followed me my whole life. <laughs> Not just in Cape Town. And I remember him moaning because everyone else was getting touched by God, but he wasn't. And I'm thinking, what's wrong with this? Like, that was in 1994. And then, and around the year 2000, he hit the lowest time of his life. And I can't tell you all the details, but it was tragic. It was terrible. It was incredibly costly. And I watched him walk that through with God. And I remember standing with him praying. And I had no answers. I had nothing. I just know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I looked across, and Bunty was there. And he's there with his six kids and his beautiful wife. 
And I'm going, God, you have been so faithful. Then I look back left. I'm not exaggerating because Bunty was there. There's another friend of mine. And, and, um, and he has navigated. I remember in, in the year 2004, 2005, the girl of his dreams that dated since 15 years old, and he was now 24, 25, wanting to get married. And um, she had a relationship with someone else at her work and fell pregnant. And, and he'd been rejected by her. He'd been rejected by jobs. And we stood on the beachfront, three friends and this man, and we called him the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said, God, you can redeem anything, anything. And I looked at the back of the room. For the last 17 years, he's been married to that same lady. He's adopted that beautiful little girl who's Kelsey, and she's six foot and gorgeous and got two more kids. Then I looked at the back right of the hall, and there's a couple who used to be in leadership in this church who now live in Durban, and they'd snuck in because they knew I was in town. But I remember with that man praying on the beachfront of Bloberg as his wife was in a clinic fighting depression and seeing them as a family sitting at the back worshiping God. And one more, because God's into fours. I don't know, he's not. <laughs> and then there's another man sitting on my right, a man from this community, who I remember getting a call on a Saturday morning because he'd binged all night and was still not in a good way and sitting on the beachfront with him for four hours as he was coming off the drugs and realizing what he'd done and the destruction he'd incurred and then seeing the grace of God and watching him worship. And I'm God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not finished. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has not stopped restoring families. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has not stopped pouring out his spring and bringing freedom and wholeness and redemption. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not finished with you. And if you would allow him, and if you would get on the beaches and pray with people and allow God to come alongside and fight, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will move mountains. He'll open up seas, and whatever Goliath stands in your way, he will restore. And as I looked out preaching, all I could think of, God, you are so faithful. God, you are so kind. I really need to get to my preach now. <laughs> Father God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we love you. We worship you. I don't know what the giants that stand against people are in this room. The giants of loss and pain and lack of promise. I just ask, and I know of the one who is mightier and stronger and able and willing to move mountains. And we call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob this morning. The same God to move in power upon your people today. Amen. Amen. Today you've actually come to a birthday party. It's your birthday party. Did you know that? Say happy birthday to someone. Birthday. Just say, no, you've got to get, this is a proper, don't make me make you sing happy birthday. You don't. No, it's a birthday party. And, and, and I'm, I've only ever been in two churches. I was in one church for 20 years and this one. So I've never been in church that like follows liturgical kind of things often. But the churches are generally good at celebrating Christmas, like the birth of Jesus. We're good at that and like we give that energy. And then we're pretty good at Easter. We, we, we worship and, and we love coming because we remember Jesus, his death, his resurrection, and all that has been perched on the cross. But there's another day that much of the church celebrates and sometimes we don't. It's a day called Pentecost Sunday. And yes, to you Pentecostals, it's not your day alone. 
just like Baptists, baptism isn't just for you either. I'm just saying, it's for the family of God. But it's Pentecost Sunday today, and I realize that as we're praying, we've just finished our series, Move Again, through the book of Exodus, and spent about two and a half months there. If you want to jump in, go and listen. It's all on the website. But it's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day we remember the birth of the church, the day God took a bunch of wimps who were hanging out in a room. Let's be honest, that's who they were, the disciples. They, they, they had promised and God had spoken and, and God had spoken, but they were actually hanging out in a room going, what now? We're just going to wait. And God came in power and poured a spirit in Acts chapter 2 upon these men and their stories. And tongues of fire were upon them and they go out and the world changes and the church is birthed. It's your birthday today, church. And God is moving and he's moving in power and he's never stopped. Jesus has promised, you see, they were, they were challenged because in John chapter 15, 14, this Jesus that they loved, who thought he would be around forever and he's going to lead them, he says this, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Oh, we don't want another one. We just want you, Jesus. We, we just, all we need is you, Jesus. He's got another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. You can imagine, yes, we're not going to be left behind. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love them and show myself to them. And you can imagine they're going, what? What? You've called us to follow you. We've given up our careers. We've given up our jobs, our fishing business. Jesus, do you know how many fish I caught? To follow you. And now you're saying you're going to leave us? You're going to leave us for what? No, the challenge is we see Jesus comes and we get to his resurrection and he comes in Matthew 28. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples, raise them up. From Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, make disciples, bring them in. Walk. And they're going, okay. They don't really know what's going on because remember just a few days before, like 40, 50 days before, Simon Peter was this guy who denied Christ. Not once. Once you could think maybe he didn't hear the question. Twice maybe there was a translation issue. Three times he denied Christ. All of these big brave disciples. No, Mary stayed and the other Mary and, and his mother, sister, they stayed. The ladies were there. One for the ladies. But the disciple dudes, they ducked. Aren't you with Jesus? No. No. Who's that? And, and he says in that chat, Jesus comes and he comes back and he preaches the kingdom of God to them. For 40 days he preaches the kingdom of God. And then he says to him, it is not for you to know the times or days the Father set by his own authority. But you, you, corporate you, not individual you, not you, Peter, you, the people of God, you, the church will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. It's, it's the power for the mission. See, with the great commission comes great commitment. With the great commission comes great empowering of the living God. And we forget that sometimes. So we always delegate it to someone else. It's like, you, the preacher man, will get power. You, the intercessory prayer, will get power. And we minimize it, but we forget that we are part of the you. 
It is a promise he makes and he calls us and we realize it's great, empowering. It's the Spirit of God that was there from the beginning. In the beginning. In the beginning. It says the, the earth was formless and void and the Spirit, as my beautiful pastor Elliot Sonjiki used to teach, the Spirit was hoovering among the water. Hoovering? And I went to read the Bible and realized the Spirit was hovering upon the water. So I love Elliot, but he got that one wrong. <laughs> Just imagine the Spirit going... It's like a scene from Hollywood got it wrong. No, the Spirit was hard because the Spirit of God was there in the beginning. And the Spirit of God will be there in the end. And He invites us into this great story that there's this great ability for a great commission. But then we see in Acts 2, it says the Spirit of God in the day of Pentecost comes. It says when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came. I have just changed scriptures. Amazing. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions to give. That's not the scripture I was reading. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house while they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And, and everything changes in a moment. Everything. Why? Because of one called the Holy Spirit. That yes, as Quinton referred to, it depends on your church background. Maybe you prefer... The Heilige Geist, or the Holy Ghost. Maybe when your preacher man used to mention the Holy Spirit, he started sliding around. He's like, he's like, I don't know. It's like, whoa, what's happening? Or um, I remember one of my every time he spoke of the Holy Ghost, his voice got deeper. The Holy Ghost. It's like I don't know how he does that. That's awesome. But the Holy Spirit is not some ethereal being, not some force and, and some awkward third party to the Trinity of God that we made. We've got to understand the Holy Spirit is the gift given to us to walk. And Jesus says, actually, I've got to go. And for the mission of God, there's the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity that is so beautiful and perfect and equal in all ways. And yet for the mission of God, we see the Father sends the Son, releases the Son to come. The Son dies on the cross and says, actually, I've got to go so another can come and be not just next to you like Jesus walked next to the disciples not just with them to be inside of you to be the fire and the fuel for the passion for the mission of God that God's got for your story not just a someone alongside that you can access and yet we've got some weird understanding of the Spirit of God and we've got to get some basic understandings right about who the Holy Spirit is on this otherwise Pentecost Sunday is just another religious action for the church Talk about God, talk about the Spirit of God, and we move on. And nothing changes. No, everything changed that day. Yeah. And every day we have the potential to see that same power changing every time. And the first most important is I don't have a full time to do a full theology of the Spirit of God, is that the Holy Spirit is God. Yeah. It's God. And uh, however you understand God, whatever you, you understand, that there's the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it says this in Romans 8. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the Spirit who lives in you. 
The Spirit lives in you. God is in you. So Jesus left the perfection of heaven to come into the womb of a woman and die on a cross. But the Spirit of God also left the perfection of heaven. And there's this transition, this handover from Jesus to say, now you're inside of them. Let them live. Let them live life. And then we secondly understand the Holy Spirit is a person who we can relate to, who we build relationship with. And the Bible says some interesting things about the Holy Spirit. Number one, the Holy Spirit's got feelings. It says in Ephesians 4 verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Why? There's a relationship that's built. It says the Holy Spirit has a mind of infinite knowledge, Romans 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for us, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Spirit of God has a will, 1 Corinthians 12. The the Spirit of God speaks. He speaks the Spirit of truth. He speaks. The Spirit of God, He he calls, uh, the Bible, Jesus calls Him another counselor. You need a counselor? And, and we live in a world where professions like counseling are so helpful and so amazing. But I'm telling you, believers and Christians, our primary source, our direct access, our number one counselor is the Spirit of God, God Himself inside of us, leading us and speaking to us. But all of this is nothing unless we understand that God's pulled us into a big story and a story that demands power. See, He gives us the commission, but then He says in Acts 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses. Not power to be a nicer person. That's, that's the byproduct. Not power just to not sin. That's an awesome byproduct too. It's amazing. It's the power of God and the empowering of God for us to live a life that pleases Him. But it's a power for mission. It's a power that you will be my witnesses. Sue Smith was a witness for the kingdom of God because of the Spirit of God inside of us. That Whatever challenges she navigated, there was a witness inside that lady that brought glory to God. God wants to do the same for you, and He wants to do this. That, that power, and you've, if you've been in church any time, will know it's the same word, dunamis, that the word dynamite comes from. It's a power that can blow up the plans of the enemy. This amazing lady here, not to draw crazy attention, has just been named headmistress of a prominent school in our city. Come on. She hates it that I'm doing it. But, but my prayer is God put power inside of her. Because if ever we needed spirit-filled men and women in positions of prominence with power inside of them, it's in education right now to stand for truth, to bring power in that place. And that actually not to just be a fighter for the kingdom of God and for truth, but have power inside so that rooms would change, environments would change, decisions would be made, and that the generation of people would see Jesus because he's placed a woman of, with power inside of her in that role. See, the challenge, we get stuck and we think, well, I've got this great commission, but what does that mean really for me? Well, I just want to take the example of Peter. You've got to understand, he denied Christ. Before that, he he was in Gethsemane. And Jesus said, hey, could you pray with me? You're my mate. You've seen the transfiguration. You've seen me raise the little girl from the dead. You were there. Yes, I've got it, Jesus. I've got it. Gethsemane. Come on, Peter. James, wake up. Yeah, we got it, Jesus. We plugged in. We're so fired up right now. Three times. Three times. They fail. Then, running, 
hiding. And they're hiding away in a room. And they, yes, they're waiting, but they don't know what the story God said will change the world. He'll release us. And God takes this guy and puts the Spirit of God inside of him. And what we see immediately after the pouring out of the Spirit of God in Acts chapter 2 is a preach, preach by a wimp. Stop discounting yourself for counting for God. Stop saying, God, do it for them. Do it with them. I can't speak. You could never pull out courage out of me. Your courageous preacher man this morning, the first time I got to ask to preach at the church I was from, 11 o'clock the night before, I'm finding the post. Ah, I don't want to do it. Ah, I just don't want to do it. Now, you never know what God wants to do unless you allow. And that God puts two things inside of and God speaks to him. And you know what happens? He says he gets up and he preaches and he addresses to the rulers and the authorities. He just starts there. 3,000 people get saved. The church is birthed and born through a wimp because of a great king and the power of the Spirit of God. Two things change in a story, and you need those two things. Number one, something that we made a bit weird in the church, and we put weird language to it. It's the anointing. It's another thing the church get excited when they say this. It's the anointing. <laughs> now we've mystified things that don't have to be mystified. Jesus is called the anointed one because he's the anointed one. There's only one. Don't ever call a preacher the anointed one because he pours out his anointing. He births his spirit inside of every man, every son and daughter of the living God from headmistresses to business people starting businesses. He puts his anointing. It's the giftings and the call and the spirit of God brings life to that anointing and what flows is an anointing that breaks the yoke. What flows is a revelation of Jesus. Every room you step into. I got a call. I was in Durban. And, and I, I generally go a little stealth mode into Durban because I've got a lot of friends in Durban who want to see Durban Oaks. They like to connect. They're like, it's generally about five in the morning on the beachfront. <laughs> so I kept it quiet. But, but the church I was preaching had put something on Facebook. And I got a phone call. And I looked at the phone. It's my friend. I was in school with him in Standard 2. Never been in church. Unbelievable sportsman. Been a very successful businessman. But I'd heard that things were tough. Saw my phone. And as that phone answered, I said, God, I've got no answers for this man because I know his world's fallen apart. He said, where are you? I said, I'm in Morningside. He said, can I meet you? Ten minutes later, he's at the, at the coffee shop. We're sitting in my prayers, Lord, I have got nothing. I don't have business solutions that can change his situation. I don't have solutions that can change the economics in Durban or the damage. But God, you've got your, you said you'd put your spirit inside of me. You said the anointing of Jesus could come out of me, whether it's my words, my eyes, my ears to hear, my wallet to give, my time to sacrifice, whatever it is, would you anoint it? So that whatever's pulling my friend down, whatever's lying to him, whatever identity challenges are going on, whatever the world would call midlife crisis or whatever else, I pray with the anointing of Jesus that's inside of me. Not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a, because I'm a son of the living God, the same way you anointed Peter, who was a wimp. Would you put that same courage inside of me to speak your words of life and love so that something would change? It's the anointing that breaks the yoke. Not your knowledge of the Bible. It's not. You've got to know the Bible. You've got to be in the Bible. You've got to spend time in the Bible. And you've got to allow the Spirit of God to bring it alive. But it's the anointing. So we've got to demystify some of these things. And we come to a day like Pentecost. And we say, God, would you anoint my friend for powerful impact? Not just in one school, but in a nation that needs women and men to stand and rise. Would you anoint her? And then there's another thing. Jesus says, all authority I've given to me, now go. 
He gives authority. You know what authority does? Authority walks in a room and everyone stands up a little bit straighter. Authority brings order where there is chaos. It's what authority does. Good authority should do that. It brings peace where there's chaos. So we've got to understand where Jesus goes in. Jesus, the sea's on its head and everyone's freaking out. Jesus goes, be still. And the waves die down. And the wind stops. And everyone goes, yo. Hypo. Because this is Jesus. Then he says, I'm going to send you out to the world with dunamis power and authority. And we go, not us, not us, not us, not us. A preacher, that guy, that lady. And I'm going to send you, you, you the church, you whose birthday it is today, you who've placed your trust in Jesus. You say, well, I don't even know I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, the Bible says in Ephesians that if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've been sealed and marked with a precious Holy Spirit. You are sealed. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you and the Spirit of God on top of you. You can walk into a room and say, God, would you change the atmosphere in this room? And I realized the minute I walked into a room on Monday morning with Bunty, a room of about 80 people, who have all been, they're all in NGOs and feeding and health and restoration of families. For the last two years, it's been COVID, and then it's, it's, it's looting, and then it's um, a relief, flood relief, and then flood relief again. And you walk in the room, and you can just feel, ah. I'm saying, God, I don't know what I can do here. But I know, Spirit of God is inside of me. Would you anoint me and give me authority to raise the roof here with the thing you've called me to do? But that's not the privilege of a preacher. That's every son and daughter. When you walk into the room of a home where you know there's chaos in a marriage, trust that the anointing and the authority that God has put inside of you can raise the ceiling on that marriage and raise it from death to life. We've subjugated these things and we've delegated them to others and we've justified why we wouldn't walk in this path. But I'm telling you, when days like this come, it reminds us we are the church. We are the ones filled with power. We are the ones invited to a supernatural story with a mighty king. Don't give it away too easily. So God says, I want to put my anointing upon you. Not just the front row. You and you and you. Not just headmistresses. No, business people. My other mate there is no longer an advocate attorney. He's a Lani attorney now. I'm saying, God, anoint him. Anoint him. Give him authority when he steps in the courtrooms of the city, that peace and order would come to the city. Anoint him. Not because of his hard efforts at studies. Anoint him because he's a son of the living God. And where he goes, the authority of heaven follows. Anoint him. I'm just trying to remind us of why we celebrate today. Not another religious action response. A reminder. God said he'll send you and you. Oh, but Mark, you don't know what I've done. Let me remind you about Peter, denied Christ. Mark, I've got a very soft voice. Will allow the Spirit of God to come and magnify that voice. One story, and then I want to pray for us. I remember being in, in, I was tiny in high school. I was the second shortest kid at DHS out of 220 kids. The other guy was Paul Sishi. He was like very short. <laughs> and in week two or three of high school, 
a prefect called me over, and there were a, a scraggly bunch of ele- grade 11 boys on the other side. With the, he said, go over there and tell them to keep quiet, put their ties on, and sort themselves out. I'm like, oh, what? I'm like, it's more like this. What? He said, go over there. <laughs> so now I'm walking. Sorry. Mark, could you put your ties on and maybe stop making such a noise? And at first they were like, what? Who do you think you're talking to? But then I started noticing the attitude started changing. Okay, put my shoulders back. Still four foot two. Now four foot three maybe. Think, hey, this is working. Now put your ties on. And then I realized I wasn't alone as this big bad prefect who played first team lock walked across behind me and stood behind me. And I realized I might have been talking, but they weren't listening to me. (laughs) You worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He said he'd put his power inside of you, not me. His word and his promise. He said your story will come for more than you'll ever understand. He took a Peter and raised him to be a preacher so the 3,000 get saved. Stop discounting. Stop allowing the lies to settle upon you. Stop letting it be someone else's story. It's the church's story. It's our birthday. And when you're sitting in boardrooms and you, you're sitting in education rooms and there's another headmistress over there in a tough area and I say, I say, God, anoint, anoint, give authority. Can we stand together this morning? You've got to know the second service went nothing like the first service. (laughs) Like nothing. But we can gather as the church on Sunday after Sunday. And unless we take up the mantle and the mandate that God's called us for, we're not going to change this world. I promise you I can't entertain the church for the rest of my life. That's not what I want to do. I want to see men and women set on fire by the Spirit of God on the beaches of the city as people gather and pray to trust Him for miracles. To rip them out of smallness and take them out of caves. You know what? This last two years have done, they've sent men and women back into caves. Saying, God, where are you? He's saying, you come out of the cave. Because I came out of that tomb. I never asked you to go back in. You've got to stop checking that the tomb's empty. That's not the church's job. The church's job is to believe. The church's job is to allow the Spirit of God to come and set us on fire. You are the most dangerous people on this planet. Honestly, you are the most dangerous people on this planet. If the Spirit of God, if you will allow Him to set a fire inside of you, to walk into rooms, bring peace and order, you're the most dangerous people for the kingdom of God, for the love of God for His grace and His righteousness. And He wants to pour out His anointing. He wants to pour out authority. Put authority in the story. Will you close your eyes just for a second? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. As we remember this day, as I remember this day, I'm reminded, God, that You've called me. You've anointed me. I'm reminded that Your Word says, I'll pour out power on all, all from front row to back row, to those online at home, to those upstairs, to the kids in the back room and the beautiful ladies and gents teaching them today. I will pour out my spirit 
I see my kingdom advanced. If you're saying, God, this morning, I, I need anointing in the place you've got me. Not just anointing for me to rise up, but for anointing for your mission, for your kingdom. You're saying, I want that kind of anointing where I can walk in rooms and something will change just because I am there. Not just because I say something or I quote a scripture. No, because you're there. It's called anointing. If that's you this morning, why don't you raise your hands? I want to pray with you. And we need to set the city ablaze for the kingdom of God. It's only going to happen by the Spirit of God setting the church on fire. I pray this morning, God. I'm not trying to... It's not the passion of a preacher. But I pray the Spirit of God that was birthed, that was poured out in that moment all those 2,000 years ago. That same Spirit, the same Spirit of the same God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is poured out upon your people this morning. I pray silence the lies. Silence the lies and let the church arise again. Let the church stand again and anoint your church with revival fire this morning. Anoint business people, anoint educators, anoint doctors, anoint board members. Anoint your church for kingdom ministry and breakthrough at this time. Jesus, we worship you. That was an amazing sermon. If you would like to find out what your next step is, why don't you go to our website, lifechanges.org.za or follow us on social media to find out about what is happening in the life of our church. Life Changes Church, we love you. Have an amazing, amazing week.